Hey everyone, it's Tuesday, so you know what that means. It's TV Tuesday. Spirekins Podcast, where we talk about new and recent television shows. I'm your host, Zan. Say konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And we're back again for another fun-filled episode where we're actually talking about the latest and greatest television shows for the week of... January 27th, 2021 through February 2nd, 2021. I've decided to rename them as opposed to putting every single show that we're reviewing, just to putting the week so it works a little better because we're getting more and more episodes that we talk about. So what do you guys think? Do you like it? Do you not? Email me, zanspirekin.com. Or email me at tell Greta she's awesome at zanspirekin.com. We'll get that. Also, remember, you can check out any of our earlier episodes or our other podcasts that are at spirekin.com at www.spirekin.com. S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N. We're also on iTunes, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and various other social media sites. Just type in at spirekin or check the show notes. And so with that in mind, let's actually get to it because we've got a lot to talk about. It's been a very long week because we now have... How many shows is this? One, two, three, four, five, Billion. six, seven, eight, nine shows. It's a lot of shows. Well, we're going to be knocking those down too because two of them end n- next week or two weeks. And then from there we'll figure it out. But let's get to it, shall we? And what dare to go ba Evilness. Evil. Discord. Discord. Yes, and remember to join our Discord at tinyurl.com forward slash Spire Discord to recommend TV shows for us to watch that we could be actually talking about. Like, a couple of them we're going to actually be doing special one-offs for because we watched the entire series in one sitting. And one of them I'm very excited to talk about because they it's based on something I'm kind of geeking out about and that Greta had to drag me to watch. Yeah. But totally worth it. But let's Tooth get to nail. it. So... If you're joining us for the first time, how we do this is very simply. We start off with a spoiler-free section where we try not to spoil and just tell our initial thoughts about the episode. And then after the end credits, we have our spoiler section, which is filled with lots of stingers, lots of spoilers, and lots of stuff. So if you've not watched the episode, once the music starts, stop, watch the episodes, then come back and listen to them. So with that in mind, let's get to it, Shy, because we've got a lot to talk about. And we're going to go in reverse alphabetical order today. So we're starting off with... Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Season 2, Episode 4, Zoe's Extraordinary Employee. This was directed by Anya Adams, and this was a kind of crazy episode because... So, Zoe is still dealing with all the stress, and now her and Max's relationship has gone to hell. So, she now... It's strained. No, it's gone. It's gone now at this point because they had to break up after last week's incident. But I thought they were just on a break. Eh, they're on a break. So now she's trying to listen to Mo, and Mo has said, you know what, you need to just choose to be happy. And she's going to be calm. However, this comes with the reveal that she has to fire some of her employees. 10%. And she's dealing with the fallout with that. Also, Simon, who is now the face of... Uh, Spark Point has to deal with a new reporter who might be a potential love interest. We're not entirely sure. So that's going on. And also we have Maggie, uh, Zoe's mother, who is now dealing with a new job, which is going well. And a client who may be a little amorous. And he's like a... Not that... Um, I think the word you used was name? Silver Fox. Yes. He's not Mitch. He's... Well, no, Mitch was also a silver fox. He was a good-looking older guy with silver um, hair. But this guy is definitely, like, silver fox. So kind of her type, charismatic. But 
it's but gonna, she also is kind of oblivious at first. But this is going to lead to some problems later in the episode. Uh, the last thing is that Max and Mo, their new store they're working on may have ghosts. We don't know, so they're going to have to look and fix into that while Max is really stressing out about dealing with everything because he just broke up with Zoe and... Or Zoe just broke up with <laughs> he's him. He's trying to set up a business. So a lot happens this episode. Uh, I think that the standout performance, though, was George. Yeah. George did an awesome job. And, like... let's We're not going to go spoil it, but George does a great job with that. How... And he gets not one, but two songs, which is pretty good. Uh, I think the best song, my favorite song, though, not spoilers, is you got Simon singing Juice by Lizzo. And it's just a great sequence because it's so... It's so... Happy. Yeah, it's one of the happier moments of the episode because this is kind of a depressing episode. And this season has been kind of depressing. Well, it's because this is after Zoe's dad died. So this, it's sad. Everybody's grieving. This is how they're getting through it. So, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a a sad moment in all of this. I will say, though, that the end of the episode leads to something which potentially could be more interesting or Well, weird. I like that we already said that George is the standout character of this episode, but he could be really annoying. He could be, like, if you look at the episode before this one, he could be really, really annoying, but he's not. He did a really good job. Yeah, he did. And we will get to that in our spoilers, but this one is definitely worth watching once. Not again, it's standout. It's not, it's a better episode, I think, for the series so far. It's more modern dancing, which isn't necessarily my my thing, my jam. Yeah, but we'll see where it goes. I'm I'm holding my reservations because I want this there to be a great standout episode. And there isn't really... Well, there's been one, but anyway. So that's Zoe. So next we're going to get to The Watch, Season 1, Episode 6, The Dark in the Dark by Emma Sullivan. And so this has now officially become a fetch quest. Uh, Gawain is now in the... Um, in the ownership of Carcer, because Carcer is a jerk. And now, apparently, you need to find a bunch of other items in order to control the big, evil, big bad. And everyone is fighting over it. So, the watch is split in half. Half of them are are at the headquarters protecting the prisoners, because apparently there's going to be... They're going to go to war with all the other guilds. And you have... Uh, and it's their responsibility yep. to protect the prisoners. You have Cherry, uh, Carrot, and... Uh, Angua going to the dark in the dark, which is where Cheery came from, and it's going really into Cheery's like in this. past. This is a Cheery centric episode, and the whole series seems to have been Cheery, 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 Cheery. Let's forget everything else. Cheery, Cheery, Cheery. However, we do know that um, this is in a multiverse. We've discovered that last season, and this episode cements that even further. And it shows that this is in the same, in kind of in the same universe as the book series, but on a, like I said, a secondhand universe. So it's a little different. Um, there are differences. Um, and you have the two storylines going on. The one is Cheery dealing with Cheery's past, and it gets very awkward. And then with uh, Sam and Lady Ramkin, they have to deal with the fact that the watch gets besieged by the combined. Thieves Guild and Assassin's Guild, and... Kind of all hell 
is trying to break loose. Also, Sam is dealing with the fact that he knows the future and he sees something that shows that the future is going to happen, but he can't act on it because he's like, hey, this is showing that this is going to happen, but I, you know, I can't say it because Sam is still kind of like an asshole. Well, he's conflicted with his feelings because he's a man's man. And yeah, I don't think he's an asshole. I think the whole cast does a great job in this episode. There are some issues here and there, and also they do point out one of the major plot points in the Discworld series with uh, one of the characters that I'm surprised they showed this early. But, oh, and they changed it, so I don't know. I really like, I don't know. in the Discworld. No, they're from the in the they're from the Discworld universe. That's where yeah. all the characters are from. But it's going into the. I don't want to spoil it. We'll talk about that later. But this episode was okay. It wasn't great. Have it on in the background. Yeah, it's like there's some. It's this is not as good as the last two ep- Like the episode beforehand was really good. The episode where you had the them going through their pasts was kind of fun. This is just more. It's all about cheery and. Don't get me wrong. I like me some cheery, though. Cheery is being pushed a little to the forefront too much, and it seems like there's an agenda. A little bit. And there might be, but... I don't know. Um, But this is... It's still not as good as the the book series, but that's my feelings on it. If you disagree, um, wait for the spoiler section. We'll talk about this. So now let's get to the one which everyone's really excited to talk about. One division, one one division, or actually, season one, episode four. We interrupt this program again, directed by Matt Shakeman, and we have the twist now. We actually get to see behind what's going on. We see how everything is, what's going on in reality. We see how, um, uh, Captain uh, Rambo, Monica Rambo, got into this uh, mess, West Westfield. And how everything happened. We also get to get introduced to some old characters that we've known from long ago. One character I didn't even think was ever going to come back. Because I thought they were a one-shot character. But they're back. And we got to see a great little payoff from a stupid thing they were doing early on. We also learned more about S.W.O.R.D. Or Sentient Weapon Observation and Neutralization. Neutralization. Well, no, sorry. Research and Development. Mm. And find out about them a little more. We have a potential big bad. We find out more about what is going on with the real world. And to top it off, it's now hinting that there is a reason for all this happening. And that was kind of shocking. And I got to say, this is a big change of pace. Because it just feels like the groove went weird. But it was kind of important. This, you could watch, if you, you could watch this first. And then watch the last three episodes. But it wouldn't make as much sense, I don't think. I Correct. think you needed those episodes to get you into to understand what's going on and how everyone's seeing it. And I love the progression of this. I wish I didn't have to wait a week for another episode. Yeah. It feels, if you put this together, this is a long movie, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And if this is how, because they said that uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon is going to be one seven-hour movie, and this feels like that. It feels like it's a long movie, and I'm liking that it's all connected, and it fits really well. And compared to some of the other shows we're watching, this has a great pace to it. Even though someone's like, oh, the first and second episode make no sense, and they're slow, it's like, no, it's building up to this, and it's making sense. I wish it was one long movie. Um, It'd be like a nine-hour movie. 
Yeah, but I would totally be into it. Yeah, it's slowly getting longer and longer and longer. Uh, this is a really, really, really freaking cool. Watch it now. Enough said. So next, we're going to get to The Stand, Episode 1, uh, Season 1, Episode 7, The Walk. This is directed by Vincenzo Natoli. And this, after the aftermath of last episode, we find that uh, the, the Boulder Free Zone Council has been set upon a mission uh, to finally deal with the villain of the series. So we have that storyline. The other storyline is dealing with Nadine and Harold as they also deal with their repercussions and what happens to them. This episode has a lot... Oh, and of course we get an opening with everyone's least favorite character. Uh, the totally brutalized and not in done well trash can man. And this episode sets a lot up. And there's some really great moments in it. Some excellent moments in this episode. There are a lot of excellent moments in this episode. There are a few moments I could not watch. Yes. But as you all know, I'm a little bit of a wimp when some of this stuff happens. This wasn't that bad, though, because it's the most part this episode deals with, one, we finally get an end for Harold's story. Finally. Yep. We deal with that. We deal with some great sequences with character development, which we should have had. And this is kind of a little bit of... Part of me thinks is a little too late uh, to do this. It's like too, you know, I forgot the word. It's like too, not too soon. It's like um, too bad, too late or something like that. So sad, too bad. Maybe something like that. But I can't. Like, it's like this, too little, too late. That's it. It's too little, too late. This is should have been done earlier, this character development. And we get to know a lot of the characters a lot better in their relationships. And it's a great sequence. Uh other thing is, there is some kind of... Well, I like the fact that this narrative is straightforward. It is point A to point B. It's not point C, and then we're going to go back to point A, then we're going to go back to point D. It's not bouncing back and forth. It is linear. It's not in medias res and then back. It's Everything's happening, and this, I think, would have made the show a lot better. True. Part of me feels that The Stand should have been a 12-episode series... And you spent more time with the characters, and it should have been linear. Or the first episode should have been opens up in the Boulder Free Zone, and the rest is in Medius Res. You know, it, it opens up in, in Medius Res, and the rest is a flashback, and it shows up to that point. Because we've had some great moments with the characters, but just, I don't know. I. Like, this episode has some great points in it, and kind of a couple of heartbreaking points. A lot of heartbreaking points. Uh, also, I could have personally done with less creepy guy, uh, but this time we get him done. We were finished with him. Um, mm -hmm. Also, Nate Wolf, what were you thinking? I mean, he's supposed to be, you know, this guy is set up to be. I'm the man. I'm supposed to be Randall Frag's right hand man. And this episode, his first line we really see him in is "Hi, fellas." It's like, what we've been the waiting for, you. It's like, that's kind of, it completely negates the character. And and then you see him struggling with others. It's like, he's just being able to have sex with women. You see that's early in a season. It's like, there's something really wrong. They, they took a character who his whole deal was, I was a prisoner. I had a screwed up beginning, but I'm bettering myself. And now that I'm with flag, I'm getting better. I'm smarter. I'm more capable and it's part of it's because he's with flag and part of it is because 
he is so enthralled with this character that he's able to be competent. And this doesn't feel like that. He feels super dependent on Flag. Like everything's, yes, sir. No, sir. He feels like a Renfield. From If you are from, unfamiliar with Renfield, from the Dracula novel, he was the uh, thrall of Dracula, who was a competent guy who, once he got bitten by Dracula, he went, kinda, he went crazy. And he was like, yes, master, whatever you want, master. And he'll eat bugs because that'll keep him immortal. But he was out of his mind. And this is kind of, he's a hench. He's an Igor. He's an Igor. He should be uh, the right hand. He should be the Michael to him. But and, and it's not that case in this. I mean, we got, I think, one more episode with him. And then, I don't know. We have to wait and see how that goes. But this episode, worth watching once just because you're getting to the end of it. You're getting to the end of it. We got two episodes left. We have next episode, which is t- entitled The Stand. And then we have The New Coda, which is a new ending written by Stephen King. I have more to say. We'll wait till the spoilers. Spoiling. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have that, and now let's get to actually the one which is completely changed the diameter of its show itself. We're talking about Snowpiercer, Season 2, Episode 2, Smoldered to Life, again directed by Christoph Schwartz. And after watching this episode, it feels like last episode was the season finale. It should have been the season finale for Season Mm 1. Because this is the beginning of Season 2. This is setting everything off. This is where everything is hitching in and going out. Because now, officially, um, after the repercussions of last episode, Big Alice and Snowpiercer now have to work together. Even though... Because for better or for worse... They're stuck together. They're joined. And so we have four plots going on. The first plot is that Wilford is completely determined to get control back of Snowpiercer and dethrone the pretender to the throne which he believes is Leighton and he's like oh you're uh you're a king Leighton now and he's like no I'm not king Leighton I am I just represent the people which has always been his case he didn't want power he was it was thrust upon him and that's the difference between two leaders a leader who is a despot versus a leader out of necessity so it's two different leading styles we have that going on we have the situation with the two hostages both People have a hostage and they have to deal with that because Melanie is with Big Alice and Kevin, who is the hospitality captain for Big Alice, is on Snowpiercer. They have to exchange. We deal with that. You also have the whole issue with um, the sample that Melanie found last episode. We have that issue. And because it's Snowpiercer and the series started out as a mystery series, we have one, a new trained detective, and there is a... Not a murder. This is kind of worse. This is an assault. Assault, yeah. Assault and mutilation. And this is going to be the big drive of the season, I think. It's going to be this, plus the events of the the, the finding for the experiment, and the power struggle between Wilford and Leighton, or Leighton and Melanie, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any other story? Oh, one other storyline that's a minor one. Because there's a bunch of other little threads going on with other characters. But one of the big ones is that Zara finds out something that will change her life forever. Based on the choice she makes. And those are our threads in this episode. And this for episode, good or for bad. Yeah. This episode has you on the edge of the seat the entire time. Because so much is going on. We see that Leighton is starting to get in the role of leader. He's 
deferring to people. He's still keeping hospitality out of the loop, which is going to be a mistake. It's going to bite him in the ass. But everyone's telling him, you got to do this. Also, Till is coming off across a stronger character because she has to deal with the same thing that Leighton had to deal with because she's now trained detective, but people are saying, oh, you were Brakeman. We don't want to deal with you. Just like in season one, Leighton was like, I'm the trained detective. No, you're a tailly. We don't want to deal with you. He's dealing with that. Also, Wilford's cult of personality, how it's affecting now that Wilford is back from the dead. And he's like, very dependent on everybody needing him, loving him. He's, what is it called? Megalomaniac? Yes. <laughs> or he's narcissistic? Narcissistic. Yeah, he has to have everyone love him, adore him. And the fun... Well, and we found out from the previous episode, he's like, this is it. This is life. This is the whole world. The whole world is mine. And isn't that the way that most kings are? That they are the rulers no, of he, their domain? He kind of reminds me of um, the Dark Man. Because he's like feeding off the adulation. And as soon as adulation stops, it's like, what? Like, yeah, that is ve- that's, his true character. That is a very good point. And I think that his character is going to be found wanting in the end. Yes. We have more to say, but this one totally worth watching. We'll talk more in the spoiler section. And now let's get to the latest uh, new series we're talking about, which is based on a comic book written by Peter Hogan and Steve Parker. This series is created by Chris Sheridan, and the episode is, the series is Resident Alien, which is currently on Sci-Fi, or Siffy, depending on how you put it. This episode was directed by David Bobin, Bobkin, and uh, how would you describe what this series is about in one sentence? <sighs> It's a undercover murder mystery meets a western. Also, I'd say throw in a bit of a fish out of water situation. Because he starts off by fishing. Yes. So the story is about Dr. Harry Vanderspiel, who is a weird recluse who lives in Patience, Bowl, uh, Patience Colorado. And he's someone who... Showed up every so often, and then one day he just showed up, and he's been staying there, being a recluse, for six months. And since he's a doctor, they need him. Because in the town of Patience, there was a murder. Because this is Alaska. That's it's no, this well, is why... no, it's Colorado. It's Colorado. Oh. Uh, but go on. So it, it reminds me of a Western because it's so secluded. It's remote. It's a tiny town. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And they say that it, uh, 60% of the year, it's snowed in, so no one can get to it. Why? That's why I thought it was Alaska. Yeah, but no, it's Patience, Colorado. Patience, Colorado. And so you have this murder that happened, and they need someone to help out. And the person who is going to help is this weird reclusive doctor. However, there is a tiny problem with that. See, Dr. Harry Vanderspiel is not Dr. Harry Vanderspiel. He is an alien named Captain Harry, who crash-landed on Earth, and he's stuck here. He is trying to find the parts for his ship for certain reasons, and he has the ability to make a kind of... What is the word? It's a psychic projection, so he looks human and only... Like 1% of the population or 0.01% of the population can actually see him as he is. But he is new to Earth and he has to deal with this murder mystery. 
Now, in the comic, uh, Harry is someone who is, he's an alien, but he deals with this. He's accumulated enough knowledge that he knows how to interact with society. And he's accumulated this knowledge by watching television. Uh, in the in the in the series, he read books, tons of murder mysteries. He saw himself as a detective because he was a, ge- a geologist. He loves studying. This Harry, played wonderfully by Alan Tudyk, and Alan Tudyk is a great comic actor, and he's done so many different type of roles from good guys to bad guys. You might know him as King Candy from. Uh, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, or you might you. know That's him as voice. Wash from Firefly. No, he's King Candy. But he's on, he's also a KSO oh, KSO nine from Rogue One. We have come here to save you <laughs> after beating her up. But so he has to he is eccentric and weird and still learning about Earth. Like he learned from watching Law and Order. Dun dun. And he is dealing with. The situation while trying to pretend to be kind of normal and he's dealing it's like fish out of water 100% and there's a murder mystery now some of the background cast you have um, Astra 12 trees who is gonna be his girl Friday she is the assistant to the medical clinic where the murder happened and she knows something is up she's also very weird uh, next you have the town sheriff Mike Thompson also known as Big Black har har because of his truck According to Harry, anyway. Played by Corey Reynolds. And this character, like, in the book, the captain was just, oh, Harry, I don't know how to do this. Like He's like a regular sheriff that ends up becoming friends with Harry. This one, that's not the case. He is antagonistic from the beginning, and it seems like he's just going to be the asshole cop who's in his way the entire time. Which is a bad trope. And then, of course, we have... and. That's our main cast. I mean, there's also the bartender who seems to be kind of into Harry. The bartender seems to be kind of into anything with a pulse. True. Uh, you have uh, Astra's ex-husband. And then you have a little kid who is going to become Harry's arch nemesis. Because the kid could see Harry for what he really is. And no one believes him because it's a 10-year-old kid saying the new doctor is an alien. Yep. Also doesn't help that Harry does try to... Uh, <laughs> that does not help at all. But, so this episode, it's starting off the series. It's comical. It's funny. There's a big twist at the end. And I want to see more of what's going on in the world of Resident Alien. What about you? I like it. I'm enjoying it. It's kind of funny. It's not a sit-down, have-to-watch, serious, like, Snowpiercer is. It's a fun procedural it's that's a, a little procedural. weird. It's a fun procedural, Yeah. It's not as serious as the next procedure that we're going to be talking about, which is Prodigal Son. Oh. Uh, season 2, Episode 3, The Alma Mater. I, Alma directed Mater. Directed by I love it. Omar it's... Melvin. And wow, this episode. Because we it's now... So, it's such a twisted show. I love this show. So, this episode, the big hook is that uh, Malcolm and the crew have to deal with a murder at Malcolm's old preparatory school. And... He does not want to go back there because it w- he was expelled from the school for reasons. It's, it, I have spoilers to say. Yeah, a lot happens in this episode, so he's dealing with that. Meanwhile, Martin has found faith in, uh, this, in Clearview. He is going to Bible studies with his friend, the pastor. They're studying Exodus. And, you know, Exodus. Yes. 
And then there's a new friend involved who some stuff is going to happen with that. Um, this episode is back to, not basics, but this sets up a lot. It deals more with uh, Malcolm's inner thoughts. We find out more about his origin, his childhood. Uh, we meet a couple of characters who are truly reprehensible, for, and but they're kids. So it's like, eh, the kids of the reprehensible. And the one thing I do have to say about this episode that was kind of shocking or different is that JT is completely gone well the whole thing has been his wife is pregnant and she's gonna give birth any day now yeah he's not completely gone he's still there he's mentioned but the whole plot point they had before is completely like just washed away like we're not gonna talk about that now which feels a little bit detrimental to the show maybe he had a planned vacation that they had to figure out how to write it in that's a possibility that is a maybe he's married in real life and his real wife is having a baby and he really couldn't that is a very good point. That is a, uh, I don't know. But this episode, also good, but it's so different because uh, Resident Alien, they give you the, um, the uh, what the uh, procedural is, and it spends five minutes on it. This, you have 50 or 60% of the episode is based on the case and him dealing with his dad. And uh, we everybody is on full fire for this one. They're doing amazing, right? Right. I don't know. I just, there's more to it that I want to say, but again, spoiler section. So anyway, so let's get to the last one. The one which I am kind of a little excited about. Um, Talking about the Masked Singer, uh, season two, episode five. Um, Yeah. Or season one, episode five of Masked Dancer. And, uh... This is one where I we've been wait we've been talking about just getting rid of this this show. It's just I enjoy the costumes. I like it when we watch it. It's something to have on the television, but I could live my life without it. Yeah, I mean we all, we didn't know who the the person was. We were kind of not shocked really by who the per, the the reveal was. Yeah, because this is the top six. Um, you had Cotton Candy, Exotic Bird, Sloth, Hammerhead, Tulip. It's the semifinals. It's all about the dance. Uh, we only have like two episodes left of the series because you have literally two more episodes. So, yeah. Um, I think the best dance, I think, was Sloth again for Ain't It That a Kick in the Head by Dean Martin, which it's... Excellent song choice. Totally wins dance. with that. Excellent dance. I like the Sloth. I'm just not invested in the show. Yes. It's just, yeah, we're not, it's not. I think that this is the last episode we're going to talk about until the finale, and we'll just talk about that. <coughs> so, yeah. So, with that in mind, I think that's it for this regular part of the episode. So, if you are not a fan of spoilers, we're done here. Uh, if you are have watched the episode, stay tuned for After the Music to hear our spoilers section. As usual, I am Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonzville. Catch you guys next time, and keep watching TV. See you later. Bye.
time. So much, much to, to say. So let's start off first off with who is the person who was in the mask for this week for Mask Dancer? Well, it was the hammerhead who went away, the, who we thought was some sort of... Uh, I thought it was the guy from Jersey Shore. Wasn't it the guy from Jersey Shore? It was a guy from Jersey Shore. Yeah, we thought it was going to be uh, Pauly or one of the other jerk faces, and it turned out to be Vinny Guadagino. So, yeah, there's that. So, since we talked about The Masked Dancer, let's actually talk about that show, which I'm actually really excited to talk about, and you are, which is the spoiler section for Prodigal Son. The episode, this episode was really twisted and bizarre because of what had occurred in it. Um well, I feel like every episode is twisted and bizarre, but that's why we like it. But this one was more so because of the fact that we now know more about what Malcolm had to deal with as a child, and more screwed up than that, there's now a detente between... Not a detente, there is now a huge gap between Martin and Malcolm, and Martin isn't taking it so well, the fact that his son is not talking to him. Yeah, not at all. The episode actually opens up where he dreams he's escaped... And he's at his old house. He went through a secret passage and his wife is waiting there ready for sex and drinks. And then Malcolm shows up and says, Martin, this is all a dream. This isn't really happening. He's like, no, shut up, shut up, shut up. And he, yeah, he basically ruins it. He ruins it. He's like, I got to get out of here. And you see him prepping and getting ready to go. And then our main thing of this episode is that they're set he's been called to his old alma mater and does not want to go back because apparently he was expelled he was written into the dean's evil black book and he's like listen the only reason i'm going to go there is if the dean is dead and he's like well the dean is dead and worse than that he was killed by being well you don't know but his body was found drowned with his entire office in the water it's it's like the prank that the kids do i feel i feel like i'm really old like the prank that the kids do it's the prank that the kids do where they disassemble your office or your car and reassemble it somewhere entirely different so they took apart the dean's office and put it into the swimming pool so the dean it looked like he had drowned but Mm -hmm. he was i forgot how he was killed uh it wasn't from a drowning though it was not from drowning it was actually rather vicious how he died and the best thing is that lane sorry not lane uh Keoko uh I forgot Keoko's real character's name. Hold it's because I like Gilmore Girls so much that she will always be Lane. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> going to be looking up. Gonna be very subtle, not leaving this in, even though I totally am. We're talking about Edrisa is super excited to see this whole thing going on. Also, What's her name? Edrisa. I feel like I did not know that. Adrisa Tanaka. And she's interested in finding out about this and doesn't know what's going on. Uh, the individual who Malcolm first talks to, though, is one of his former teachers who supposedly was there for him, made him feel good, and was a nice guy, even though he was not really a nice guy. Um, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Meanwhile, in this episode, like we said, JT is missing because his son is being bored. And we constantly get updates that, that are, oh, she's Which in labor. Which is a cute way of doing it. It is, but eh. Eh. Uh, there are three suspects in the um, episode. One of them is a really rich kid. Well, they're all rich. But one is a kid's son. 
a rich guy's son. One is a kind of druggy girl, and the other one is I'm Miss Perfect. And we don't know what's going on. However, we do know they're part of a secret um, test ring where they're selling the answers. Which is really, really bad. Maybe that's why they killed the Dean. Well, cause, well, it's an ingenious way. It was special water. And the water bottle label had the answers printed on the inside of it. It is it is genius. But one of them is potentially the murderer. Uh, we don't know who it is. because We find this out because Edwina finds the bottle. And they beat her up. The three kids. So we know something's up. Uh, long story short. How does it end? Well... Turns out that the two of the three, the three kids are from all different backgrounds. They act like they don't know each other, but they do. Two of them are dating, and the last one is the murderer. And the reason why she's being a murderer is because she wants to have a chance to go to the college of her choice and escape her, her dad. And if she's in the Dean's Little Black Book, that's not going to happen because she wants to escape this person. And it's pretty bad because Malcolm tries to empathize, explain that when he was younger, he tried to kill someone. Because this guy bullied him, found out his name, because he went to the school as... But he told them that he had killed him. He, 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 he was did. trying to relate to the... To the girl, but he hadn't. It's, we found, he went to the school, which is called Remington Academy, under Malcolm Bright. And then somehow someone found out that his, he was the son of the surgeon, and he got kicked out of the school. And he was bullied. But the one kid who bullied him, he ends up triggering his asthma, and then really cruelly... Like, emptying out his inhaler. And for those of you who have asthma, it's pretty bad. Like, there's ways to control if you don't have your inhaler, but it's it's super painful. And this looked very bad. And you can't help but panic. But then he became... So, he gets locked in the closet. He has an asthma attack. He becomes claustrophobic. But he was left there for days. For three days, he was locked in a closet alone. So. No liquids, so he had to relieve himself there in the closet. No food, no water. It's pretty horrible what they it's do. It's horrific. A- apparently, that is actual boarding school bullshit that you deal with. And it's kind of nightmarish that the elite think they're better and they're so cruel. Like, horrifically cruel. However, as we said, Malcolm saves the day in a really cool way because the whole sequence is he and the teacher who it turns out is the one who told the kid that he was Whitley's son are locked in a hyperbolic chamber, essentially. It's a, it's a clean room for storing old books because the guy was obsessed with old books. He's locked, They're locked in the room. It's temperature controlled. The only way to get out is they had to start a fire in there. And that sucks in all the oxygen in this air-locked room. Which and, is super dangerous, and but apparently highly effective. They show up they because the alarm the, goes off. Yep. And then later on, Gil is screaming at him. And then they find out, oh, JT had a son. Yay. Meanwhile, on the Martin front, going back to him, he has joined the lovely and wonderful Bible group. And the one guy who's the escape artist, his idea was to steal the pass keys. If you get all three pass keys for each section... You are able to leave, and because each section is coded off, it's blue, green, and red. But apparently, a gold key exists also, but we don't know about that because he's this. This guy has collected two of them, and he's saying, "Listen, you, you, you get your red key. We're good." And the only person that he knows who has a red key is his friend, who is the well, not his friend, his guard, who's been his 
such as confidant. So his only real contact. Besi- yeah. So he has to debate on if he's going to kill him or not, or what he's going to do. And he ends up smartly borrowing the guy's shiv and then holding it to him, and then dropping it and saying he has a shiv. And so he said he was going to be stabbed, but it turns. So out. he pretends like he was gonna be the victim and all this other stuff so he's in the clear and the other guy gets locked up in lockdown in solitary for who knows how long and he has two of the pass keys how will this end we don't know <laughs> so this was a pretty good episode and the director of this omar madha who who I think he did a couple... He didn't do any episodes last season, but he's pretty good. It's building up more of what's going on with everything, as well as the whole Ainsley angle, that Ainsley is starting to remember things, and, well... But she's not quite. She's starting to remember, but she's not quite remembering. This was more of a character study for Malcolm, especially it explains the twitch in his arm, that he's had it because of the incident of him being stuck in the... uh, Closet. Closet for so Jenner's long. closet. Which is weird because he now says he's claustrophobic, but earlier he had done things like being in little tight spaces and he wasn't claustrophobic. But it's mind over matter. It's like tiny space things to get through to somewhere else. It's not... It's like... It's like being allergic to legumes, but not to nuts. True. Very true. But overall, pretty good episode. A lot had happened. And I gotta say, I'm excited for the next episode. And then from there, I don't know. I don't see where this is going. I am excited because it's been revealed that Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to be in this show as uh, Martin's new psychiatrist. And then to top it off, we're also getting later this season, Jim Cummings, uh, not Jim Cummings, uh, the guy who played Nightcrawler, he's going to be playing his new sh- um, uh, detective after him. Uh, what is his name? Hold on. Alan Cummings is going to be playing the profiler who's trying to catch the killer of Endicott. That'll be good. So who knows how this is going to go. It's not going to be good. It's going to be horrible. I do wonder, it's going to be epic. I'm going to love it. I do wonder if it's gonna if he's going to be an FBI profiler, and that's going to rub him rubbing in his nose even more, because the FBI hates Malcolm so much, because he just... Well, he was an FBI profiler. But that's the whole how the series started, is he got kicked out of the FBI because he was a little too crazy. So let's get to Resident Alien. Um, yeah, so this is a completely crazy-ass show. And I love that he is... Like, he learned everything from... Ka-dum. And the reason why they've hi- they have they talked to um, Dr. Vanderspiel is because the murder victim was the town doctor. He got- so he can't do the autopsy because he's dead. So he he is excited to do the autopsy because he's kind of a weirdo. Because uh, he, he does know... It's also like studying humans and stuff like that. So it's like... But it's like he knows all the things. He's able to look at it, tell here's exactly how this happened. Here's how this person was murdered. And then... And he got it right. He guessed that it was self-inflicted. That he killed himself. They say, like, no, why would you do that? It's, their it's pain. like he can't have stabbed himself multiple, multiple times over and over again. He's like, fine, we'll look in and we'll see. And they say, like, there's no trauma, no nothing. And it's funny because he's like... Geeking out like, he's like, when she leaves, I'm going to go cut his head open and help the I'm brain. I'm going to touch the squishy brain. And I love that as he's doing that, the guy's wife shows up and she doesn't know that he's dead. And he's like, hi. Yep. It's a little shocking. And he is a little disparaging towards humanity, thinking they're all idiots. 
He says they're not as smart as dolphins and they're kind of stupid, but he sees the interest in them, like the fact that he gets really hammered. Because Astra, who was raised by the doc for the last couple, or not raised, has been helped out by the doc for the last couple of months, takes him to go drinking because he has, he says, oh, we'll go out and hang out. And he's like, no, I'm going to go home. And he's like, shit, I can't go out. They're going to think I'm weird. I have to not be weird. I have to fit in. Because he's trying to fit in so they don't bother him, so they don't see what's going on. And this leads to him being more weird, but people are kind of accepting of him. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Astra actually sees him kind of for what he is. Because Astra's very, what is the word? In tune with nature, I think. She's Native American. Yes, which is good for a secondary character, and it's it's a lead actually. She's one but of also the... like appropriate. Is she is she the actress really Native American? Yes. Um. Sarah Toko, Sam Toko. She, um, is in tune with nature. She's been around the block, and I don't mean that in like a, I don't mean that in like a sexy way. She's. Seeing some stuff. She's dealt with a really shady past. We find out about that she had an abusive husband. She lost her child. No, she didn't lose. She gave up her child. And it's it's. Did sad. she have an abortion or did she give up her child? No, it was, a, it was adoption. She gave it up. And, and the, the husband said it was a good thing and throws it in her face all the time. Um, But she's like, she knows things. She can read people because she's been through hell she's gonna be a good interpreter for him and just like in the the comic she is his girl friday she helps him kind of navigate but he's not as incompetent as he is in here like the fact that someone calls him a douchebag and they look or a douche and he's like what the hell's a douche and they look i loved that i love that he had to look it up and he was like grossed out no first he's like like, he he reads what it is and it's it's what a douche is and then he looks at the picture like oh god it's like that's sick it's like what's wrong with humans so much. And then uh, he gets drunk and he decides he's going to kill the little kid. And he can't kill the little kid. Who turns out that I think he's related to the mayor. I think he's the mayor's son. Uh, or the mayor sleeping yes. The mayor sleeping with the mom. I'm not entirely sure. but So the kid is now his arch nemesis. And the end of the episode we find out that. Um, well, every day he spends, he's looking for one. The body of Dr. Harry uh, Vanderspiel. So that they can't say it's him. But also he is trying to find parts for a ship and we're wondering why it is we find out what the parts for a ship are for is it's a, it's an extinction level device so he was sent to earth to kill us all and now he's stuck here so he wants to find the device and kill us all hopefully by the end of the series he fixes that and decides he's not going to do that which is a complete change from the book where he's just studying earth because he's a geologist I gotta say, it's really funny though. Alec Tudit does a great job. He's got a great comic timing. And when he first shows up, he straight up kills Dr. Vanderspiel and you see him morph. It's actually a really cool scene. The uh, It almost looks a little bit painful. Yeah. As he's morphing. Oh, he's changing from six limbs to four limbs. Changing his fingers. No, I just thought it was... I thought it was a nice touch. I thought it was like so many times when you see people or aliens or whatever morph you see like this is a bright light and they're human <laughs> or yeah like they just look into it and then they're looking at it like huh cool but it's like it looks painful it looks like his body is changing and he's getting through it and i, I also, don't know i thought it was nice i also like the fact that they do not i did not know that sci-fi doesn't edit curses anymore 
because there's a lot of profanity in this. And I love that at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, you have a new patient. And he's now officially the town doctor because the mayor's a jerk because he's a kid. The mayor is like super young and he's trying to be the best he is and he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, listen, you're a doctor. You had all this. So uh, you're going to be the town doctor. But like, he is trying. So he's trying. And I love that uh, Ash was like, okay, doc, you have one patient. And he walks in. It's a kid. Who, well, like we said earlier, he tried to kill him and failed miserably because he was really, really drunk and didn't know what to do. And you just see him and the kid screams. He's like, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> so we're going to have to wait and see where this goes. If the kid and him are going to get a detente or if they're going to try to fight each other. We don't know. It's kind of cute, though, that his nemesis is a kid. It's a nice touch. It is a very nice touch. So this show is worth watching. Totally. Um... What else is there? So next is Snowpiercer. And it's not stop what you're doing and watch it right now, but it's watch it. Yeah. Resident Alien is definitely watch it when you have a chance. Snowpiercer. This is a rough episode because a lot happens. Um, First off, we have the fact that they've already interrogated Melanie. She's not giving up anything. However, Kevin gives up a lot for just some food. It's like, I'm not going to say anything. And they said, oh, well, we have bu- you're from uh, Buffalo, right? Well, here's some buffalo wings. And they're fresh and they're spicy. And he gives up a lot. And so they learn about a lot because they learn. Well, not a lot. They learn that. They deduce a lot. They deduce that there's about 100 employees on Big Alice. And then that they're hungry because they've been eating just canned food and things like that. Nothing fresh. Which is a big deal. And uh, when they do the prisoner exchange, it's very awkward because he's like, they agree to do prisoner exchange in the, uh, in the bat, as they call it now, it's the borderlands, which is where the tailies used to be. That's now officially the uh, border. And they're treating it like a war zone where you got both sides showing up and it's everybody's like, armed. Everybody's armed. It is like, if you go to this, it's going to be aggression. And when they, they switch Alice, Niles, um, Alex, uh, Melanie's daughter, is kind of almost causes a problem because she wants to know what's going on, but then she gets really pissed off about she it. She acts really, um, she goes rogue a lot. Uh, yeah. She's erratic in her thought process, her, like, you know, you don't know what to expect from her. But as Leighton says in earlier, I like in that. I episode, like that. It. They say it's like she's a teenager. She's gonna go all over the place because you want to. She's gonna want to be with her mom, but she doesn't trust her anymore. And that's where it goes. It's we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't. Um, so from there, uh, we have Kevin kind of debriefed by by debriefed debriefed by Wils, uh, Wilford, and it's kind of an uns, it's kind of an unsettling scene because he's he. Draws a bath for him and says, oh, well, this bath's a reward goes, for go, you. Go ahead and get in. It, how how would you like it? It's nice and warm. And at that point, you know something is off. And we see Alex walk away and put headphones on and start playing music. We're like, oh. She goes, he goes, I'm going to need the room. Yeah. So we know something's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. But he ends up talking. something. He talks to, to him, finds out what's going on. And then he convinces Kevin to kill himself. In a very nurturing, simple way, like this is what you have to do. Well, he gets naked also and gets into the bath with him. 
at first it's like, well, we, is he going to rape him? Is he going to like, what's he going to no, He convinces him to do, he's like, you know what you need to do. And he's like, but what about hospitality? He's like, oh, you don't have to worry about that. That's not your problem anymore. Everything's going to be all right. And he totally is. And he like lulls him. What do you mean by that? He's like, he uses calming words. He. It's like, you, you let them know this and that's a disappointment to me. But he don't speaks worry. softly. You can make this up. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. You let them know we're hungry. It's pretty tragic to see that, but it's also disturbing. My thing is, are they going to eat him? No, but we don't know. But he ends up killing himself and gets. But he does it in the bathtub, and it's a, it's. Anyway, at the end of the episode, to connect to this, they have actually numbers for the suicide hotline because you should never do suicide, and that's one hundred percent true. We've talked about this several times this podcast. And if there is um, a driving force or something that's really bothering you, there are people to reach out to. Yeah, there's several numbers you can call, websites, and a lot of other events um, and people. It's never the final exit. It's never what you should do. But um, back to this silly, weird show dealing with the end of the world. So Melanie's discovered that actually, with the snow that melted, she ends up doing another experiment and finds out that yes. The temperature is rising, not dramatically, but it's enough where within their lifetime there'll be a, a warm zone. They just have to figure out where it is. In order to do that, they, they need. Ha- there's now there's more research that has to happen. But in order to do that, they need to one go to a research station and reopen it, and someone has to be there the entire time for a month and a half. And it's gonna be Melanie who has to do it, but they need to get agreement from Big Alice. So it's. We need to deal with them and have a conversation and have a summit. And in the summit, when they find out about this, Wilford's idea is, you know what, we're going to meet. I'm going to get the people to love me again. And you are going to kill Leighton because I can't dirty my hands. That's the big difference between Leighton and Wilford. Wilford will get someone else to do his dirty work. Leighton's hands are bloody. He has killed people. He gets in it. He gets in it. He is a warrior. And then he says, the warrior king. He brings up, he's like, oh, so the bloodied, uh, he calls him the bloodied uh, stowaway and the thief. Because Melanie stole a train from him. And that's his whole thing is that she stole it from him. It's his. And the summit goes well. We have the agreement. They have to work together. And the deal is that if we do this, it's going to be a ceasefire. 100% ceasefire means, I'm guessing, that everyone's going to go back and forth through the train, going back and forth. Now, I'm wondering if Wilford is going to go move into the front of the train, or if they're going to keep him in his huge resort. I think they're going to not allow him... Into Snowpiercer longer than that? Right. I don't know. He also doesn't have enough personal security to secure his safety. He has enough zealots within the crew... Within Snowpiercer that love him. They still worship him. And that's the thing. With the assault till the person's hand was mutilated and they were beaten up. Because they're Italian. The person went from being in first class and said, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going back to the tail tail I'm safe. And we see her hand. And what's happened is they've removed her pinky and her thumb to make the symbol of Wilford. Because that's how everybody does their symbol. You know, one train, Wilford, all hail Wilford. They, they put their pinky and their thumb together in front of their palm. To be a W. To show their three pointer, middle, and ring finger, making the W sign for Wilford. That's their sign. And now it's pretty bad because 
That's all she can do, and it's so someone involved. Uh, also, LT is back, or LJ is back, and she's trying she to is scam- psycho as ever. She's trying to scam her way to the top. She hugs when Mr. Wilford's going through the train to the summit. She says, "Hey, Mr. Wilford, listen, um, don't uh, you remember Letitia me, Letitia Junior?" He's like, "Oh, I remember you." He's like, "Why do you look familiar?" And she says, "There are people here who believe in you." And part of me wonders if LJ is the person that did the beating. No, she doesn't have enough to get around the train by herself. Yeah, she's really connected to um, Oz. Mm-hmm. Like Oz is like her guardian and is helping her keep sane. Mm-hmm. Even though she's eventually Oz is going to get tired of her shit. She doesn't deserve the help. Yeah, but they're both outcasts, so it makes sense. Uh, we also find out more about religion because we see the infamous tea room that they've talked about, which is like not a tea room. It's actually a room for contemplation. It looks like a Tibetan... Monastery. Yeah. It's got photos of all the lost ones, and there's a teacup. They said, no matter what religion, you look at the teacup and you observe it, and you'll be able to think of life itself. And everybody looks at it from a different perspective, different point of view. And he brings up the fact that the world is different. Something's off about the way he's talking. I think he knows more than what he's saying because he knows about the in- the incident involving um, Little, who got mutilated. Yeah. So we have that storyline going on. Um, and the other major one is Josie is alive. She didn't die last season. We thought she was dead. We did think she was Because the glass broke and she was dealt with the wind, but she's alive and she's dealing with it. She's messed up. Uh, she's missing an arm and her skin's all fucked up. And I think that, and the whole thing is that Zara finds her, knows who she is, and Zara has to decide. Is she going to tell Leighton? And potentially lose the new relationship she has with him. Or is she going to kill her? And first she tries to kill her. Then she stops herself. Talks to... Um, I forgot the name of the girl in charge of the night car. But she decides to do the right thing. But now Leighton is going to Josie. But Josie looks like shit. She's all messed up. She's kind of alive. Kind of conscious. She may want to kill herself. Because yeah. those extreme temperatures. That's technically a burn. No, it's third degree burns. It's third right. degree freezer burns. She's horrible, and she's barely alive. She's probably don't want to kill herself. However, however, the Dr. Haywards, or Haywoods, have the goop. Yeah. Which could heal their degree burns. They might use that as leverage over Leighton. They should use that. But Leighton's got to keep this to, to the chest. Also, Leighton is dressing more like a person again. He doesn't look like a hobo. I mean, yes, he has his duster still and he has his dreads, but he's looking more presentable now. But his dreads are more like um, a characteristic of him. They weren't out of necessity because he couldn't bathe or anything. That is true. Also, fun thing that I thought of, Leighton's favorite food is no longer available to be made. I forget what was his favorite food. Grilled cheese and tomato soup. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot that cheese and milk is no longer... They don't have goats? Maybe. They might have goats. But all cows are dead. Mm. I mean... You know what? I'm going to stop right there. My thought process. But if you've seen Fury Road, you'll know where I'm going with this thought. It's potentiality. But... Anyway... So this is a great episode. 
set up a lot. You saw the opening, so you know what I'm talking about. But it's, that's the only disturbing scene in the movie, so it's like. But anyway, enough of that. But the one woman is pregnant with the first baby. True. So I don't think that's an option. Yeah. So we don't know. We don't know where it's all going to go. I'm excited to see where this series is going to go. And the, so the season's big thing is, will Wilford take control and agree? Oh, we forgot to say that Alex was supposed to do the assassination attempt, supposed to kill Leighton, and she didn't. But he kind of like waved her off of it. He was like... Mm. No, he looked like he was like looking like, why aren't you killing him? Why aren't you killing him? And she, her hand got messed up because of it, because she's holding it, and then she put her blood on the... So Because think... she like... She got emotional with her the her mom potentially going away for a month on a dangerous mission. And cut her hand on the razor blade she's going to use to kill Leighton. And then at the end, she says, "You don't say you're doing this for me. It's like I'm doing this for all humanity. And you see her put her bloody palm on the next to the door yep. that leads to Big Alice. So I'm wondering, is that uh, I was going to kill him and I didn't? Or is that a big just fuck you? I don't know. I think it's a little bit of a F you. I don't know. I'm ex- like I said, we'll see where this all goes. It's going to be pretty fun, pretty cool. And we're excited for it. And now let's get to the other S show. Stephen King's The Stand 2020, The Walk. And wow. So if you remember from last episode, Harold's bomb went off and they only killed five people, but they injured a shit ton of people. But they don't know that they only killed five people. They don't. They're going to leave. The minute the bomb went off, they said, we're leaving. And Harold's like, we're done. Because she's like, I need, you know, like she needs emotional comfort. Uh, Nadine does. And he's like, we're done. Because you're his. And he'll give me a lady that makes you look like a sack of potatoes. Yep. So they're going to drive off to the sunset. Unfortunately, similar to the book, Nadine causes, as they're leaving, about 100 miles out or 200 miles out, Nadine causes Harold's bike to spin out, and he crashes and gets impaled on a tree and breaks his leg. And she could help him, but she says, "Listen." And it's disgusting. She's like, "She, she's like, I, she's like, I can't help you. You're, you're gonna die either way. This way, you'll be fine. And if you're brave, you'll know what to do." And this is the part that pisses me off. One of the major points of the book has been that Harold, throughout the book was eating chocolate-covered paydays. When he first meets Larry, Larry's like, hey, I've got paydays for you because you I see you eat them all the time. And Harold is like, oh, that's good, but I've lost... Wait, I don't eat those anymore because he's trying to better himself, not realizing he's thin. Right. In this episode, when he's trying to survive on the tree, he's eating paydays. And when his bag crashes over, it's full of paydays. It's like, you should have set that up in episode one. You never did. That's kind of lazy writing. But, but he, he was trying to better himself. He was trying to be good, doing all this, won over by the sexy blonde chick, blew up a whole town. He was going to kill them anyway. He was I think the effort is, F it, I'm eating paydays. Yeah, but also the thing is that he was a fat guy in the book. He's not a fat guy in the tv show he's a thin gangly creepy guy but it ends like the book where he writes his i'm sorry then he blows his brains out and there's a difference later on but he writes his epitaph a very listen i admit what i did it, it was my actions i may have been convinced by the dark man but i made the choice and 
I'm going to accept the name that I was given, but I didn't respect or acknowledge in Boulder. He signs his, his last will in Testament, Hawk. So back at Boulder, we have everyone's hurt. Uh, Franny is re- really beat up because she got pushed down. The baby's fine. She's okay. But Mother Abigail is awake. And she wants to talk to everybody, to the to the council, what's left. And she admits that she sinned, pride was her sin, and that she knows what they have to do. What's going to happen is that they need to go to the Dark Man. They have to go to Las Vegas on foot. Don't bring any food or water, just the clothes on your backs. Back. And you'll be provided for, and not all of you will make it. How's it going to end? She doesn't know. But after that, she passes. And it's done very um, artistically with a candle next to her just burning out. No, there's lots of candles. And it's that one candle just burns out. Yeah. And I thought that was representative of like all of the people there. Her candle went out. Yeah. And it's a beautiful scene. And Whoopi does a great job as Mother Abigail. It's just a shame that they didn't give enough time with her. They really just kind of... Like, she had two great episodes. The last two episodes, she was kicking ass in. Like, the last couple episodes were decent. It's just their issues. This should have been better as a 12-episode or, dare I say, two seasons. One season dealing with beforehand and one season dealing afterhand. We get more Tom, more Ray, more Nick. Tom Collins is the best part of this show. And it's a shame because Nick... Tom Collins and the doggy. It, um, but... Her knowing that Nick was dead was heartbreaking. She's like, I thought Nick was going to lead you, but God saw fit to take him home. I didn't want Nick to die. No, he was, that was, it was, but anyways. Nick the dog and Tom, those are my priorities. So they end up, uh, Franny's upset because, oh, and she says, Franny, you're not to go before she dies. So Franny's pissed off because she wants to go with Stu and they calculate that they're going to make it to Vegas about a week before she's due. Or the week she's due. And she's a little pissed off about it. She's like, but she makes him promise that she, he's going to come home. They get ready to go. Um, Larry gives Joe his guitar. He says, when I come back, we'll jam together. It's a kind of sad and happy moment because uh, Glenn has a camera. He's like, and they're like, you're not supposed to, br- you're not supposed to bring anything outside your clothes. He's like, no, this is for you to commemorate this moment. And it's a great kind of hero shot. And if you look at this shot I put on the website, that's actually the shot I did is their their photo. Because it's a kind of a great scene. And then we see them walking. And that's actually a really great character development. It sets everybody up. They're walking. They're walking. We learn a little more about Ray. She does make a derogatory statement like, oh, so you want the engine girl to find out their water's safe. Like, well, do you? Fuck yeah, I know. And it's like, <laughs> is that the only reason why you did that for that joke? Is that the only reason why you picked her? Was there another reason? We don't know anything about her we should have had more episodes with her agreed and they kind of short they short skirted her really badly so they're walking it's got a great moment of them getting together them finding food them dealing with everything talking uh, a little bit of uh, philosophy a little bit about life itself some great moments of uh dare i say uh theology and then we come across them finding They make good Harold. progress. And they know they're in the, the Badlands. They find Harold's they body. They walk for like ever. They, they walk for 400 miles. 
and they make good 25 miles a day. Not bad pace. Actually, they made 25 miles a day. It would take them a month to get there. 700 miles? 25 miles in a day is a lot. In the book, it talks about them losing weight and they're getting that kind of runner's high. Yeah. And they're losing weight and they're actually like, I don't need to eat as much. My body is just like, it's just taking the best part, you know? Yep. And that's actually one of the coolest things that they show, but they don't show it on this. They're all still the same. They find um, Harold's body and... I liked this part of the magician, the musician guy. Because he sees him and he's like, listen, I got to go down there. I got it. He led me to Boulder. I can't just let him leave him there uncovered. And I like that Ray's like, why are you helping him out? Fuck him. He let <laughs> Nick die. Or he killed Nick. And he goes there, reads the epitaph, takes his jacket off, and he covers Harold. And it's kind of symbolic moment of thank you for what you did. I forgive you moment then we go back to nadine nadine is driving to vegas and she sees a weird shiny thing in the desert and it's actually a bunch of petals leading to randall flag and it's the moment of when he officially she magically appears in the hotel room and he says you're now my queen you've made it to me after all this time you kept yourself pure what took you so long or something and he's being very flirty but being a little hard and then they have sexy time but then she notices as they're talking that they're not in the hotel room. They're not in a comfortable, nice place. They're in the... It's an illusion. And she's like kind of getting freaked out. And he's like, no, no, no. Stay, Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. They have very violent sex. She says, what's wrong? Oh my God, something's wrong. Stop, stop. And yeah, he, during it, she's all for it in the beginning. And then she goes, something's not right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And then she sees him for what he is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's not as horrifying or bad as, say, the 1997 version where his face morphs into the devil. It's not that. It's just he's like a monster. He's just like a dirt monster. And then later on we see her and she's all tripped out and crazy and they're playing I Put a Spell on You. And she's like beautiful with this like platinum blonde. Her hair's turned, her, her hair turned white. No, but it's like super platinum blonde. It's these big, you know, 1920 ringlet kind of curls. She's got this gorgeous red lipstick on and very sexy, like lacy. Beautiful gown, bridal gown almost. Almost like a almost like a, a 1950s negligee. Yeah. And she's just like drop dead classic Hollywood beauty. And she's happy and seeing the world. Feels a little bit weird. Her stomach, she holds her stomach. It gets a little big and she's... She, it hurts. And he goes, it's okay. And they're just driving. He's like, we'll be home soon. And it says 20 minutes to Vegas. And then we go back to... Because she's pregnant. Yep. And going back to um, Harold and everybody. Uh, not Harold. Uh, going back to Larry, uh, Glenn, Ray, and Stu, and Kojak. They're walking and they come across what looks like a big crack in the world. Apparently there was an earthquake or a bomb or something, and there's a big crack in the road, and they have to get past it. They can only move forward. They can't go around it for reasons. I personally thought they should have went around, but... You can't go around. If you looked at the the thing just kept going. That's true. So they say, we're going to just go straight ahead, because Stu is in charge. Because before Mother Abigail said that Stu is the one to lead them, after Nick isn't the one to lead them. And they end up going down perfectly fine. Uh, Kojak makes it look super easy. They go down. Well, Kojak helps them out, kind of showing them the, them the way down. They're like, go ahead, Kojak. And he like 
And Larry is kind of afraid. He's the last one to go, and he's a little worried. And they said, okay, last one down, first one up. So he goes up. He's fine. Glenn goes. No, uh, Ray goes. She's fine. Glenn goes, kind of stumbles. Stu's right behind him. Stu's making it, making it. Stu gets there, and he's smiling. It's all good. Everyone's up there. The thing he's standing on cracks. He falls down and breaks his leg horribly. Yeah. So they have to go back down, set his leg right. Uh, and this is kind of tragic because they, br- they break his leg back or fix his leg. And they say, they say well, wait here. We'll be fine. He's like, no. Mother A said that. And I don't like that they call her Mother A. That feels weird. Should Mother be, Abigail? It should be Mother Abigail. Or, or or Abigail, or, you know, or Mama Abigail, not Mother A. That's for this. It feels weird. However, going to this, he... But he says, no, you're not going to drag me along. You're going to drag me the whole way there, and then what? We get there, and then they all kill me? Like, no. Leave me here. And it's really heartbreaking, because Larry is now in charge, and he doesn't want to be in charge. And Ray doesn't want to leave him, but she understands. She gets it. Glenn, who he's had the best relationship with in the entire series... Is his really he, he's upset about it. He's really upset, but he goes he's says, "How's your leg doing?" He's like, "It's like it's good after those pills." He gives him. Here's the rest of them. Gives him a bunch of pills every twelve hours. You want to beat the pain. He's like, "But listen, if, if you, you take too many of these, if you take four or five of these, it's fatal. It's lights out." You get me, East Texas, and he gets it, and it's really sad because it's like he just said, it. "If you need to, or you kill yourself." I don't want him to die. But they end up keep going on, keep going on. After a little bit of time, uh, Stu's alone dealing with it and he hears a noise. Burr, burr. Kojak. Who's the best, second best character. Shows up to be with him and protect him. Even though he's like, he's like you gotta go back. Glenn's gonna be worried about you. And Kojak doesn't want to leave him. And Glenn's freaking out because Kojak's gone. He's like, Kojak, Kojak, dumb dog, where'd he go? And they're like, oh, he probably found a rabbit or something. And as they're saying that, a limousine. That's they're a... like, he'll be fine. He'll see something like a rat. It'll spook him and he'll come back. And we see the a limo saying Inferno 1 show up. And out of the car comes Lloyd looking flamboyant as anything saying, hi, fellas. It's like, Lloyd, what the hell? What the hell, Lloyd? But here's my beef with Lloyd. If you're gonna be gay, just be just make him gay. Don't make him having like trying to have sex with women and be fake macho and wet himself. Like if you're gonna have him be gay, just have him be gay. Yeah, they don't even end of the world. I'm I would hope that if the end of the world really came, that no one would be closeted. That you everyone would just be who they are. They so that's my personal frustration with Lloyd. I think they didn't want to go with the fact that, oh, the gay guy. It just, Nat Wolf did a really weird job with this character. It's weird. I do like that when they're driving to Vegas, though, he does, it shows them looking at everything. And we hear Randall Flagg on video screens, like with a little kid saying, they didn't like you in the other world. The new world is great. Like a whole propaganda, very weird. You see a statue of Caesar being remade into the statue of Randall Flagg. And we see lining the strip every 10 feet are crucifixes with people hanging on them. And you see him pull up to the Inferno Casino. And here's something which I was very kind of a nice little Easter egg. 
you hear Larry's song, Can You Dig Your Man? Finally, we get to hear it in the second to last or third to last episode of the series. We finally get to hear the ep, the full song. And he's singing that. And they're walking into that while coming down the stairs is Nadine because her hubby said, go downstairs and greet our guests. And we don't see her face. We see her, her back and her profile. But we see the other like minion people, the rat lady and stuff. We see them like... <sighs> Kind of looking weird at her, like, like what horrified. The? And she looks in the in the, in her in the her reflection, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah, she looks in the mirror, and she's like beautiful with the red lips. All that comes downstairs. You see Lloyd bringing in the prisoners, the three that are left, and you see, "Hello, friends, welcome to New Vegas." And it turns around, and we see Nadine. As she really looks, she is huge. There is something that is really looks unnatural poking out of her stomach. And we see her face and body. She is gaunt. She's super thin. Like all her, of her energy is going to this, to her, the pregnancy. Her face looks like a... Like a... Skeleton. De la de muerta mask. Yeah, it's just not pretty. She looks horrifying. And it's really sad. It's really creepy now we have two episodes left the next one is called the stand ironically because that's the stand that uh glenn larry and ray are gonna make against randall we'll see how that goes i don't know like this episode was a lot better than a lot of the previous episodes i still think as i said one nat wolf all the good people is crappy. are dying nat wolf is crappy no Stu isn't dead yet nat wolf is uh what is it nat wolf does a shitty job as Lloyd, there's something really wrong there. Second, the whole thing with Harold, either he is someone's kid or something else because they gave him way too much time in the series. He seemed more of a threat than Randall Flagg did. That should not be the case. Randall Flagg should be the overarching villain. As he sips milk. Yeah. In his penthouse. I don't know. I just... Oh, uh, we didn't even talk about Trash Can Man and him getting a nuclear bomb and... Dying. My life for yours. Driving around going bum de bum de bum de stealing a bomb. Yay. Good for him. There's no none of the none of the character development that was in the other series or the book. Nothing. Just he's just there for no reason. What's he gonna do? What's gonna happen? Who knows? I mean, if you read the book or if you watched the nineteen ninety four series, which I showed her the scene, we know what's gonna happen. Right. But do you think it's gonna be creepy with that CG hand of God showing up and picking up the bomb and then blowing it up? No, I think it's going to be much, much cooler. Well, we're going to have to wait and see how that goes. Again, spoiler section so we could say that. And also, this is a book from 1976. I think we could spoil the book. Yeah, I think so. So now let's get to WandaVision. One, one division. And shit. So we learn, one, the episode for this episode, there's no format like old tv shows this is a modern show and it opens up with kind of one of the worst moments in the mcu history or is it the best i don't know we open up with the second snap or as mcu calls it the blip yep when everybody comes back and in far from home it was shown as kind of a funny little like oh the blip happened it shows like the team playing basketball then suddenly the band shows up it's kind of played for laughs this is more horrifying because monica rambo wakes up in a hospital bed it's empty she's like uh where's my mom and she sees people just coming back together 
and they're saying just oh. showing up just and popping freaking up freaking out like i need i need a phone i gotta call my wife i gotta and it's it's kind of scary because think about the things that happen what about people who are in the air when that happens do they appear because they were appearing where they were where they disappeared and if they're in the middle of a flight are they gonna appear on the airplane or are they gonna appear in the air where the, their physical location was i don't know it's kind of it's it's really scary it's like what happens Where's it going to go? And just... So she... So everything's freaking out. She finds that her mom, who we met in Captain Marvel, died three years ago. And she doesn't believe it. She's like, three years? It's like, you've been missing for five years. And she doesn't know. And then we go. It's been uh, three three months or three weeks. And now she's going to work in S.W.O.R.D., which her mother created for her. And it's a sentient weapon, observation, research, and development. And... There is now a di- acting director, Haywood, who is kind of a dick. He's not kind of a dick. He's a dick. He is the one who's in charge. He's super nice and sweet, but something's off about him. He wasn't supposed to be in charge. He's like, well, there was no one else, and you know, you, we thought you'd do it. Oh, that's good. So it's good to have you home, have you back. And uh, first off, uh, we haven't gone up in a while. We lost some people up there, which is kind of weird when he said we lost people who went into space. So the first thing I think of, because S.W.O.R.D. has always been like, shields on Earth, S.W.O.R.D. is in space. They guard against extraterrestrial threats i'm thinking that four individuals got lost in space and they may come back in a new movie i'm thinking reed richards susan storm johnny storm and ben Grimm disappeared i think that's a plug for the fantastic four i'm saying that here now maybe that's my theory but they're not doing any space missions anymore she's grounded but they need her to help the fbi out with a problem and the fbi is there's a missing person so she ends up going to New Jersey to Westfield, New or Westside, Westfield, Westview, 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 New Jersey, and it's funny because they drive up and who do we see? <laughs> we see Jimmy Woo from Ant Man and the Wasp. And, He's awesome. I like him. And the first thing we see is we see him say, "Hi, how how you doing, Jimmy Woo?" And he flips his hand out and the card pops out, and we're like. Ah, so online un- online magic college finally paid off. Only five years later. Because he was trying so long to do that trick. I I like him. I love the Ant-Man. I think it's like he was fun the, and lighthearted. He and was the best part of Ant-Man too. It's like, how'd you do it? He was totally the best part of Ant-Man too. Like the ending of that where he's like, he's like are you asking me out for dinner? Uh, that's weird. That's, that's, it's like, like but, uh, I mean, do you want to? You, you <laughs> do you want, want to hang out? Like, like, it's like, like we can. Like he needs friends. He's still weird and bumbling, but I like, I like, uh, I like Jimmy Woo. Uh, he's a major character in the Agents of Atlas in the comics. But anyway, so he talks to to Monica. Says, "Listen, it's not a missing person because we have a witness protection person, but it's the whole missing town." He's, he's like, like, "So like we can't find this person, but we can't find anybody in the town." And they, there are two cops there, and they said, "West." view i've never heard of it before and they're next to the westview sign this the town is behind them they can't see it their cars parked next to the sign saying welcome to westview they don't say see it they're like there's and it's all around the world people connected the people don't remember people they don't exist anymore and it's weird something weird's going on they send a drone in which the drone turns out to be the one that was sent in that little, that little uh, helicopter that we saw in episode two. And we see Monica touch the screen and get sucked in. So that happens there. And then they have to bring some individuals in to save the day. And who do we get to come in? Who is our point person 
that Sword has decided to pick to be the main character of this episode. Darcy Lewis, who's now doctor. a doctor. Yes, she's a doctor now, not an intern. The former intern of Jane Foster from Thor. And she's smarter now, but she's still the same. She's still Darcy, which I like. I like her character. There's comic relief. Well, in the first movie, she was really good. The second movie, she was really annoying. Mew Mew. Yeah, Mew Mew. Uh, and she's in there. I was like, so what are you in for? We're not supposed to talk. And then everyone else says it. And the guy says, well, I was just like, I didn't want to know. So they come and she's in. like, I can't wait. She's like, well, and she's smart. She's like, well, the Air Force, the, she's like, all five branches are represented here. So I can't wait for the commemorative t-shirt. What's it going to say? <laughs> yeah. They're, so they're all talking about it. Uh, she ends up getting brought in. Uh, the guy treats her. But like, she's, a, she's brilliant. Yeah. Like the guy's like, okay, we just need you to figure this stuff out. And she's like, uh, can I get a coffee? And the guy treats her totally like garbage. And then you see her figure it out in a minute. Like, these are really high. These, the CMBD levels. He's like, CMB, cosmic band. It's what made the Big Bang. And he's like, oh. And then she she finds the frequency, which is? She's like, I need a television. An old one. Not flat. And she finds the within the bandwidth of the CMBDs is the frequency for WandaVision, the TV show. She sets up a screen and starts watching it and writing notes about it. She's the person we saw in episode one watching it. Haywood comes there saying, hey, what's going on with this whole issue? We know that it's kidnapped someone. It's shaped like a hex, hexagon, and he's being all kind of a jerk about it. And then he hears the canned, ha, 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 laugh. He's like, who is that? What is that? Who did that? And they and he walks over and sees Darcy watching WandaVision. And, she, and they're like, is that who I, yeah, but isn't he, I know it's been a weird five years, but isn't he dead? And she... Tells them what's going on, and they end up researching everything going on. And all the fan questions start showing up. Like, they have a whiteboard with all the questions that we've been asking, like, is it the scrolls? Is it aliens? What's going on? Why is it TV shows? Why can't anyone get in touch with them? Why is the Vision still alive? All the questions we've had are on the whiteboard. Also, they start identifying everybody in the show with their IDs. And most people show up, but they're too... But some people don't have IDs. Two of them don't have IDs. One is Agnes, the neighbor who keeps showing up and... Yay! The other one is Dottie, the boss. Like the bit, the boss bitch of the town. Who, from interviews, it's hinted that they had to ask permission from Kevin Feige to use that actress and that character. So I'm thinking she's something big. I have a couple of theories... But I don't want to explode Greta's head <laughs> with what they are. With Explodium? With Explodium. Nothing Explodium this episode. Oh, no, that's not true. We see what happened to to to, to Monica. So we got that going on. We see all the research. We found that all the scenes that we've seen where they break character on the TV screen, they don't see. It's edited out. So the sequence when... Uh, oh, we found out the voice on the radio that was saying, Wanda, are you there? Who's doing this to you? That was Jimmy Woo. He's trying to contact them, but that whole sequence is cut out. Also, whenever they break character, the choking sequence, all that's just nothing. None of that happens. No one sees that. It's edited out. And you wonder what's going on, how this is going to end. And it just shows what is really happening. And at the end of the episode, we get back to this time when we see actually the whole sequence of events of how she got launched out of WandaVision. And 
what happened. Wanda asks Monica or Geraldine straight up, "You're not my neighbor. Who are you?" He's like, "Listen, I'm 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 me. I'm I don't know. I'm not trying and to." She struggles with it. It's like, "No, you're an invader. You're someone who's trying to." And her accent returns, and you see her bring her powers back, and she blasts her through four walls, kind of breaking the fourth wall because it's her wall, the another wall. The fence, and then the TV uh, screen blasts her out, and that's where the episode ends. But now we, and she says, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. So the thing is, it's Wanda doing this. Oh, and as she says this, we see the sequence of Vision coming back saying, Wanda, what happened to Geraldine? And she's like, he went home, honey. And you see Wanda turn around and look at Vision, and what do we see? He's like death. He's dead. His head, he's, he's pale. He's, he, his, the mind stone is gone. You see where Thanos ripped it out. And he's just like, his eyes are peat, are pale. And it's like, he's dead. And she f- recoils in horror. Then she shakes her head and he's back to normal. So the thing is, is she puppeting him? Has she brought him back? Did he have a soul to even bring back? Can you bring him back? It's the question of what's going on. A lot of there are a lot of theories and questions. I still think that one, Agnes is Agatha Harkness. I think that that's it's she is was the nanny for the two kids in the comics. She's also Wanda's magic teacher, and she's someone who doesn't mess around. She's not she's good though. So I don't know if she's a good or bad. Maybe she's trying to teach Wanda how to use her powers, and it went crazy. I mean, the other option is it could be Mephisto, and maybe Dottie's Mephisto. Who's, who's Marvel's equivalent of the devil. We don't know. We really don't know what's going to go on. We don't. There are so many questions. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's going to be a great show. And I can't wait to talk about the next episode when we get to that. And then where this all ends. We'll see. Really worth watching. Give Send us your theories on our Discord. Tinyurl.com forward slash Spire Discord. Now let's get to the watch. The dark and the dark. Um, What can we say about this episode? Um, one we find out that uh, Cherry spoiler never mind yeah no not spoilers Cherry is the um, heir to the uh, her mine the mine of the dwarves that she was at they have to go to the dark and the dark and the dark and the dark is actually this evil thing that eats eats minor people who are different because everyone has to be the same apparently completely changing the mythology of how the dwarves are to make him like oh Everybody's the same, but you're different and you have to remove your beard and you can put your beard back on. And it's just very strange. You have the Assassin's Guild coming to kill Ramkin and Sam and they're running away. You have you have a good boy not being able to shoot fire, but he's singing because they don't know why he's singing. So we learned that Cherry is kind of like the heir to the the mine. And I love the fact that... And then we learned that the redhead guy... Uh, Carrot Ironwood is... This is something that's in the comics, uh, not comics, in the books that we know. He's a legitimate heir to the throne of Ang Morpork. So these are all like heirs. Yes, but they change that he might not be because of... They want to change things. I do like the fact that when Cheery, they say his name, like, no, I don't want you to say my name because it'll take six minutes. And then it goes to, like, later on, Cheery has to show her... She has to, like, claim dominance. 
and says her name, and it says she and it's starts like saying it. That's four says, minutes later. Yeah, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" Uh, long story short, though, it's a crown. It's a helmet, which is actually a miner's helmet, and it turns out that, of course, who has the miner's helmet? Carcer beat them to it. They're gonna screw over them. Cheery gets eaten by the dark in the dark, which actually isn't evil. It, it's like omnipotence in the universe. And now Cheery has reality bending powers, and Cheery uses it to save the day, kind of save Carrot. Also, um, Carcer gets sucked in by the auditors uh, with uh, Wen, Wentz, uh, who Wentz actually is able to convince the the auditors to let them have another chance. And She's this, like, you should have brought me here sooner. This time, it's they're going to go through the multiverse to find the worst version of Vimes to kill Lady Rampkin, because if they kill Lady Rampkin, then... No, the watch will never become big. Carrot won't become king, and things. I'm following it. It's not as like the other series we've gone more in depth in. This is just really rambling, and because the show is rambling and weird, and not as cohesive as it could have been. It's really a lot of slight gags and other things. And for me, it's kind of convoluted. It's super. It's not even. It's not Terry Pratchett convoluted, because like in Good Omens last year. That made sense. It was weird, but it made sense. It had the, that that humor, but it was just different. This is not that. This is it's a bad imitation of it. I will say though, a lot of people like. Some people don't like the whole dance sequence with Cheery at the end, where he where Cheery uses their her powers to to save the day by being all weird, making everyone have a dance sequence and have the dark eat everybody. I it's like Cherry's boots. It was weird and strange. I like the boots. It's there's definitely messages here. We're not gonna get into it, but there feels like a little bit of an agenda. Yeah, and it's not even subtle at this for that. Finally, let's get to Zoe. Um, yeah. So this is kind of heartbreaking because Zoe has to fire a bunch of people, and the one programmer she has to fire is George. And he's so sweet. Personally, I would have fired what's his name because he's a jerk. Yeah. But he's like, "Hey, boss, how you doing? You look great. You're not too. You don't look too feminist today. You look like she's like a pretty lady." He's like, "I'm not gonna fire you, or am I?" You don't know. And she has to fire him, and then she gets drunk and rehires him, and then she has to fire him again. And it's really awkward and weird because it's also the day his grandmother died. It's her anniversary, which is a little weird. It's sad. He's kind of a sweetheart. He's a softy. She made people stop picking on him. Yeah, the last song didn't really... I mean, I get why they did it, but it didn't fit the situation. His second song is stronger, and it just doesn't fit. I... I don't know. I thought it was sweet. Yeah. So, going to the Maggie storyline... Uh, oh, uh, going back to the Maggie storyline... She's dealing with the fact that there's the new boss that's amorous to her and is obviously hitting on her. And then he asks her out. She gets really offended by it. But it turns out she knew when she was feeding into it because she felt sexy. But she feels it's betraying her husband, which it would be because it's only been a month. And it just... Also, her it's causing her and... Um, uh, what's her name? Sister to have problems. Because of that. Because she was able to see it and see all the things going on. See life. But things are getting better. They have kind of a moment of, we're going to get drunk and talk about things we've done. And how uh, you're not just a boring person. And how you did live life. 
it's it's a, it's a good moment to better herself. Then with the Mo Max situation, Mo is making cocktails all with the word Mo in it, like a Mo Hito, a Mogarita. It's like I thought that was cute. It's okay. I will admit, though, seeing them have to do a dance party to get rid of the spirits was fun. But seeing Max so angry, like saying, "This is I'm doing all the work, and you're having a party, and just insulting and being mean to Max was bad. Uh, to Mo was bad. It's just Max. But he is, like came clean. He's like, I'm barely holding on. He's like, I'm a mess. I'm sorry. And and they they make up, and then they have a karaoke party for, between themselves. They have two hours to, to use a karaoke machine, and they resolve their situation. Um, and then to end, th- oh. Also, the third element is that uh, the brother wants to quit his job. He's depressed. He wants to stay home and raise their son, the new, the new baby. And it freaks his wife out. Yeah. It's making him upset that's going on. Her upset because she had a plan. It's a great plan. And then throughout the episode, she discovers that it's not a great plan, that he should be able to be happy to find his way because she ends up telling Zoe something that's that and then it clicks in that she w- Zoe goes to her for advice on how to fire people and then how to secondary fire a person and she gets she realizes that it might be better to make her husband happy also and they can work the plan around and it's a good it's a good sequence it's, everyone has a happy ending uh, Zoe's still kind of stressed out because she had to fire someone she's trying to deal and the next door neighbor's kid has come back from his adventures in the away because he went to college and he's hot he's a young kid named aiden and he's playing sex and candy when she walks over and she's like loving the music and then she sees him like aiden and it's like is this a new love interest oh uh and simon uh having to be the interview lady that was kind of cool sequence like i said and he ends up Flirting with her, taking her to Moe's party. Because Moe, Mo, Max, and Simon are still friends. And because Moe was chatting up her, they're doing a free piece for the restaurant. That's why you should always network. But that's what Moe's strength is. Networking. Right. Being that flamboyant person. Still a good show. A little bit of a... Have it on the background, but it's enjoyable. Uh, the other dances were opposite attract, stronger, and um, I want to break free, which that was actually pretty funny. I want funny. to break free because I love that. That's it's um, the brothers' hundredth case, and he's like doing his deliberation, opening remarks, and he just stops and he just goes into "I want to break free." Then he goes back. Then he goes back to "I want to break free." It's and the judge is like, "Are you okay? Do you need a recess?" He's like, "No, I don't." Because he's taking a moment to think about it, and yeah. I want to. Break free. So overall, good week, bad week? What do you think overall? I thought it was a good week. thought overall, really good week. I'm excited for next week to see what happens. Um, I think the big show that is going to be for next week is WandaVision and probably The Stand because it's the last episode or second to last episode because that's where finally things come to a head. I'm ready for it. Uh, what is the other show? Uh, Prodigal Son. Oh, but the end of Prodigal Son. I do admit, though, we are going to drop out Mass Singer, or Mass Dancer, probably, because, let's be honest, that's just be a show to watch. We got enough TV shows, and it's not it's that getting... compelling. Yeah. Mass Singer is going bye-bye, 
And Stan is going to be done soon, so we don't have to do with Stan anymore. And WandaVision's a shorty. Two more episodes of The Watch, though. Yeah, I like The Watch. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, what about Zoe? You think Zoe we should continue to talk about or drop it? I want to see where it goes, but it's kind of getting diluted a little bit to me. Yeah. So let us know which ones you think. So the ones that we may get rid of are going to be uh, Prodigal Son. No, we're not getting rid of Prodigal Son. Okay, not Prodigal Son. So should we get rid of Zoe, Mass Singer, or The Watch? Let us know. Uh, we're going to put this as a tweet question on Twitter, at Spirekin. Let us know what you think. So I think that's it for this episode. It's been a little bit of a long one, but thank you so much uh greta as always it's amazing thank you so much for doing this and for you the fans thank you for listening in hope you're enjoying these i like doing them i think greta likes doing them because we get to watch cool shows yeah and then then next episode or next non uh episode we're gonna be talking about lupon we're gonna do a special secondary for lupon the tv series not lupon the third lupon part one on netflix and we should also do our bridgerton talk yes bridgerton so Bridgerton, it's a thing. So, as usual, thank you guys for listening. I am Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonsville. Catch you guys next time, and keep watching TV. See ya!